Hey, everybody. This is Patrick, the Chief Monkey and founder of Wall Street Oasis. Just wanted to first off say thank you so much for listening to this podcast. Second, wanted to make sure for any of you in the market for financial modeling training, remind you that Wall Street Oasis does have some incredible financial modeling training courses, including Excel modeling, financial statement through, you know, linking up the three statements, DCF, valuation, M&A, LBO, um, even more niche courses like 13-week cash flow, venture capital course, real estate modeling, you name it. Go ahead and check them out at wallstreetoasis.com slash courses. Thanks for the support. Hello and welcome. I'm Patrick Curtis, your host and chief monkey, and this is the Wall Street Oasis podcast. Join me as I talk to some of the community's most successful and inspirational members to gain valuable insight into different career paths and life in general. Let's get to it. In this episode, member The Pharma Guy shares his path from a hard science biomedical degree all the way to pivoting to a master's in management and eventually breaking into a top healthcare strategy consulting firm in the UK. Learn how much he makes now and why he chose to work in strategy consulting over investment banking. Enjoy. Pharma guy or the pharma guy. Thanks for joining the Wall Street Oasis podcast. Thanks for having me. First off, thank you for being such an incredible member too uh, on the site. You've been around for a long time and have an incredible number of silver bananas. So thanks for that. (laughs) (laughs) No problem. So it'd be great before we kind of get started if you could just give the listeners a quick kind of summary bio. Yeah. So my background is in uh, biomedical sciences specifically uh, pharmacology and genetics from uh, what is considered a UK uh, medical target. And then I pivoted to management, again, from a UK target. So I think LBS, uh, LSE, Oxbridge. Um, And then from there, I kind of dabbled around uh, some healthcare consulting internships, some part-time for a firm that did uh, healthcare due diligence for private equity firms. And then that kind of launched me into uh, just uh, full-time healthcare consulting, so strategy consulting within the pharmaceutical and biotech sectors predominantly. Great, really interesting. So let's start back in undergrad. So you kind of, well, even further back, kind of just family situation and life. What made you think this is the school? Do Do you have family in healthcare? So I actually don't have family in healthcare. So I uh, I have a father that's in banking, um, and I was always fascinated by finance, but it wasn't fully the path that I wanted to go down. Mm-hmm. And I always had a passion for sciences, so I decided, you know, study something you like. But from the very start of undergrad, I, I had a pretty good idea that research and the corporate side of pharma is not something that I necessarily wanted to do. So I already had it in my mind to go down the kind of pharma consulting route because I knew that that was a big sector and there were a lot of firms and there was a lot of work to do. You'll be surprised how little business scientists know and how little science uh, consultants know. So <laughs> I figured combining the two would have been kind of, you know, that lethal combination that would have allowed me to, to have success in the sector. So and yeah, then, yeah. I, I know I you're. Believe, I know like, you're only a couple before. What's the punchline? So a couple of years. You're only a couple of years out of your master's, but has that been the case? Has it been helpful at all, or you feel like you can get by? Yeah, no. So it has been. So yeah, I mean, just from my undergrad class, I was the only one who 
that I know of that pivoted to business. And even within my colleague, let's say class, a lot of people have PhDs or they have master's period in science and they came straight into consulting. Mm-hmm. And obviously, you know, within healthcare, having that scientific knowledge helps, but the fact that they miss some of the basic, you know, business and finance kind of knowledge that you would get from a master's in business, master's in management. Right. I wouldn't say necessarily puts them at a disadvantage, but lets them see things in uh, a kind of a myopic way. Got it. Okay, so fair. So you're you're in undergrad. You're studying kind of a very you know very science heavy degree, and. Do you feel at this point you were kind of interested in consulting, you said, like from the beginning, but was it something that you always knew you were going to pivot or when did that kind of change? So I I was fascinated, obviously, by the science predominantly, but there was an aspect of the strategy behind pharmaceutical companies or biotech companies that was also very interesting to me because it's kind of like knowing the science at a high level and then being able to implement that with subsequent business decisions or consequences. Um, and that's kind of what drove me towards the consulting side. You know, you don't want to be too deep into the business or you don't want to be too deep into the science and you want to try and find that. But was there someone at school, spot. was there somebody at school or somebody that kind of influenced you or some, one of your friends that was like doing consulting or was it something like who exposed you to it initially? What kind of, what made that light bulb go off? Just your, just your father yeah. being in banking was enough? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it was kind of my father who exposed me to, to, to business, but it, it was also a professor who I expressed this interest to, and he said, you know, rather than do the typical master's PhD route, finish your degree as fast as you can, pivot to a business degree, and just hit consulting. And so I started looking up firms and started getting an idea of what they do, and that, and that was really attractive because you wouldn't really leave either field 100%, right? You'd be there in the middle. So I think it was a mixture of that family and that kind of uh, that academic environment. Yeah. So did you feel like when you pivoted, what was the most surprising thing, like going from the, the hard science degree to then going to a master's in business? I have a guess, but I want, <laughs> I want to see what you think. Um, I mean, for me, it was how how much you make do with uh, incomplete information. And I think you have you have a bias coming from science where, you want to get all the facts and you want to have a super detailed understanding of a field or an area before you actually make a decision. Or in business, a lot of the time, if you if you have 50% of the information of a situation, you're lucky and you have to still make a decision based on that. So I think it was kind of, you know, reconciling the fact that you won't always have the full information. But at the same time, I think there's an element of synergy where both are you're very fact-driven and you do kind of tend to drill down on, uh, you know, the specific knowledge of an area, and then you use that information to kind of to go forward. Sure. So you you were basically, was it hard to actually get into this master's program? Was it competitive? I mean, I know it's a great I know it's a great school, but um, was it something that there are a lot of other people with science, hard science backgrounds, kind of going into? business it's probably a little bit more rare so can you tell me about that and that that application process was it something you expected yeah. to get in or did you kind of apply to a lot of different places how did you balance that yes so i applied to multiple places and i think that you know i tried to make as much of a case of me being interested in business as i could by showing that i had interest outside of my undergrad and that i was reading business books and so forth but i think out of 120 in my intake class there were about four people that came from a biomed background 
So that's a pretty low mm-hmm. low acceptance rate for scientists within my field. Obviously, you have your your odd engineer here and there, but I'd say STEM subjects as a whole, we're probably within the 10, 15% range. Do you think that's because just there's less of them applying or do you feel like because the the actual um, yield is lower, like the actual uh, offer rate is lower to scientists? I, I mean, I would think it's pretty- I think it's a mix. Yeah. I think in the UK, um, STEM subjects are highly valued, but I think that a lot of STEM, of STEM people try to at least go down the master's route before pivoting rather than jumping straight from undergrad to a master's. So I think, yeah, I, I think it's a combination of low number of applications and potentially just low offers. Okay, so you were, you know, you put together a strong enough application that you got accepted to a really strong school. You ended up going there for your master's and you were kind of shocked. Okay, one of the things, you know, science versus business, business, you have to make decisions. So was it a lot of like casework and stuff there? Like in clubs yeah, or, something like that? Was, or in groups? Exactly, yeah. Yeah. So there was a lot of collaboration and there was a lot of kind of rapid fire work and, and you know, kind of case exercises. Even within certain courses, it was kind of the standard coursework where in science I was used to doing maybe three, four months long lab projects. And in business, you, you'd have, you know, one, two week cases where you essentially have to come up with something. So did 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 all the top consulting firms come to the school to recruit, or how was the was it a one year program, a two year program? What was the the kind of timeline so that you would have to get ready for recruiting? Because <clears throat> consulting case interviews are notoriously yeah. difficult. Um, so I'm curious yeah. how you prepared in terms of were you doing a lot of mock case interviews with your classmates? Were you um, did you have like a an internship in between your first and second year or was it straight away recruiting and then your work after your first year? Yeah. So my course was kind of, um, an oddity within the school. It was one of the few two year courses that's offered. So it gives okay. people a chance to kind of either have a summer internship between the two years or mm-hmm. to try and get some sort of off second internship. That's great. So you do have heavy recruiting from the top banks and the top consulting firms in both years. Um, but the majority of us ended up getting summer internships. Uh, I ended up at a, a strategy boutique that focused on healthcare uh, between my two years. And then come the success of September, that's when full-time recruitment started. What was that, uh, that boutique you ended up at? Was that like your first choice? Did you try applying to like the, the top consulting firms? Or what, you know, what do you think? Did you have any crazy interview experiences during that time? Yeah, so I think, you know, I kind of like everyone in, in that position, you apply to all the firms, kind of half interested, half not, but uh, I was very interested, I think, after my internship to focus on the healthcare sector. So I was actively looking specifically for healthcare consulting firms. And the firm that I applied to, interestingly, I applied to the summer before for an internship, and I got, uh, I didn't make uh, not even first round interviews. Right. And then I ended up getting the first round interview, passing that second round interview, and then right before Christmas, an offer. So that was, that was pretty, that was pretty particular. And tell me a little bit about like what the interview process was like. Was it a traditional case interview or was it different because it was so niche focused in healthcare? 
So yeah, so the firm uh, they predominantly hire straight into the the healthcare sector. So we have a bunch of different uh, practices, and you get hired straight in. So you're not you don't start as a generalist, even though it's quite a big firm, about a thousand people around the world. Um, the interview process was, I think, potentially unusual in that um, you have the opposite to what you would have in normal cases. So you would have a super day at the beginning as of round one, where mm. you'd be in groups of six, seven people, and you'd circulate around different exercises. So a mixture of case, a mixture of behavioral, a mixture of competency questions. And then wait, the you're you're in groups. You're have. in groups of other candidates, or you're in groups meaning you you're getting interviewed by six or seven other people. No, you're in groups of different candidates. So you oh, and you, you're having to do like a group inter- like a group interview. Exactly. So oh, you have a group awkward. interview, and you would essentially <laughs> rotate not only so you'd be with a fixed group of uh, of six seven people, but then you'd rotate with uh, like five six different partners at the firm, and they'd each ask you a different you know they'd each pose you a set of uh, questions. So again, cases, competence, brain teasers, and so forth. Mm-hmm. And then if you pass that, you would move on to round two, where it would be three rounds of one-on-ones, where you would have two cases and one set of competency questions. So let's go back to the super day, that the group dynamics. How did you navigate that? What did you feel like was important to, did you, were you able to prepare for that at all? I guess some of the work you do in your master's probably helps with that, but it's kind of a different dynamic when so much is on the line, right? Yeah, it is. And I think you can prepare for the traditional cases, you know, as one would. But at the same time, you have various exercises that you wouldn't expect. So one exercise was everyone was given a card with a word to do with a value. So someone would get integrity, someone would get honesty, someone would get weakness and strength. And you'd have to kind of try to answer, you know, when was the time you showed honesty? When was the time you showed integrity and so forth? I ended up getting the integrity card, which turned out to be the hardest one out of the bunch by far um but um but yeah it was definitely an experience where it's tough to kind of navigate within a group of people because what did you say for the integrity so like you got the integrity card you had to come up with a story or a time that you showed integrity yeah exactly what did you think of one on the spot or had you were you prepped were you ready so i kind of winged it on the spot so (laughs) i i used to work part-time um in um, nightclub promotion. And I was talking about how in that field, you very often get clients taken from you and clients stolen around. And as a proof of integrity, I would never steal other people's clients because I knew that down the line, they would come back to bite me in the ass. And those who did ended up getting fired by management pretty often, three, four months after they started doing that. So I demonstrated that and evidently that resonated with people. Okay. Fair enough. So, so you're kind of, you pull the, the tough car, you, you survive it. And then kind of you go through, you make it to the, the other rounds, which there's more traditional case interviews, right? Um, Correct, and then yeah. those, did anything throw you off? Was there any case you remember that was like surprisingly difficult? No, I don't think it was surprisingly difficult. I think, you know, the case itself, the first case was predominantly, you know, one of those profitability question company wants to open X activity in this sector and they want to be profitable within one year, how would you go about doing so or analyzing that? Mm -hmm. But I think what threw me off a bit was that the market sizing was very, let's say, abnormal in terms of the sector. So I remember I got a case about the market size for ankle braces in the UK. And that was something that I had never even remotely thought of. 
and different variations within that sector that you could think about to kind of calculate a market size. So that was a bit that was a bit awkward. Ankle bracelets. Ankle braces. Oh, so braces. When okay. People, Got yeah, it. Yes. Okay. Injured or, Got it. Yeah. Like yeah, yeah. Braces like air casts and stuff like that. Correct. Yeah, exactly. yeah, yeah. Very cool. Very cool. So okay, tell me a little bit about. Um, what happened? So you you did the internship. Was it something where it was expected after the internship you'd receive a full time offer for once your master's degree was completed, or how does it? What was yeah. the what was the retention or the offer rate on the interns that did did end up getting the um, the job? Yeah, so we I was with two other interns, so they took three interns out of I think a couple hundred applicants, and uh, the offer rate was essentially a hundred percent. However, the the firm where I interned was uh, a boutique, which is not necessarily bad in itself. It's just that within the areas of strategy that they advertised, they were heavily focused on one where ninety plus percent of the revenue was coming from, which was a very interesting area. However, the repetitiveness, you know, down the line, maybe something that some people aren't attracted to. And therefore, I looked for a firm that had a more varied offering after a while. That's fair. And so did you feel like, well, so you did receive an offer from them, though, to come back full time? And so did you? Yeah, so I received an offer. And so did you have to tell them right away, like, no? Or did you say, oh, I need to think about it and then kind of go to the, start recruiting? Yeah, it was one of those things where, you know, the place is there, let's chat after the summer, see how you feel about things. And then I, I very politely, you know, I thank them for the time. I thank them for the opportunity because it was a very strong uh, learning opportunity. But then I mentioned that there was more that I wanted to achieve at this early stage of my career. Mm-hmm. And I was looking for other opportunities. Did they seem upset or did it seem they were nice about it? No, I think that they were nice about it because, I mean, you know, a boutique that focuses on one sector, the the churn rate was pretty high where you'd have people leave maybe every couple of years. Mm-hmm. And they understand that the learning experience in the moment is very strong, but then people want to bring that learning somewhere else. And I kind of realized that straight after the internship. Okay, and so you kind of go into your second year, you don't have a full-time offer locked down. It's a little bit nerve-wracking. Did you have confidence that you could just get through the, I mean, you, you obviously did a great job to get that first internship. So was it that confidence to kind of turn down that offer just that you felt like you were going to, going to land something? Is that the, is that kind of how you were, what your mindset was? I mean, yeah, I I was never, I never walked into any situation thinking I'm 100% going to get this offer. Right. But it was one of those situations where I said, I have this experience. I'm going to leverage it as much as I can. Mm-hmm. And especially within the sector, if I can push it as hard as I can and try to sell myself as well as I can, I can for sure get a first round interview. And then from there, it's up to me. So I tried to push as much experience that I could. I tried to learn as much as I could from the internship. But then how did you do that? And so then, you got back onto campus and like, had you been networking over the summer as well? Like, had you been reaching so no, out and talking to of, people? Yeah, I was pretty kind of um, isolated to the firm where I was interning, but I was getting an idea of other firms within the sector that were operating in, you know, the similar strategy avenues and what they were doing. Got it. Um, so I, I had more names. 
And then from there, I could just do more applications through the website themselves. I did network a little bit in other areas. Yeah. Um, but I think it was mainly just applying straight up through the websites and the online application portals. What was your hit rate on those? Like from, let's say you, so it sounds like you maybe applied to, I don't know, 30 places. Not, yeah. Not that many. It's so not like I you applied, say, it's not like you applied to 300 places. You were fairly targeted. It was a specific niche. It was in consulting. So like you knew what you wanted, right? And you had the right resume for it. Right. Yeah, so, exactly. so, so you I'd say out of Pure healthcare strategy firms, I must have applied to about uh, seven, eight. Okay. And then from there, about two interviews and one converted to a full-time position. Yeah, see, that's what I'm saying. Like, you didn't have that much large of a universe, right? So what, no, what would no you have, that's the thing. What would you have done if you had gone seven two zero or seven one zero, meaning seven interviews? So, what, like, what would you have done? Yeah, so I mean, I also applied to other, you know, other firms at the same time because I figured this is a sector that I want. However, I'm I'm not going to take that risk fully, and I'm going to broaden my scope. So I I did apply to some generalist firms, and you were getting interviews from there, and you were getting some interviews there as well. You were getting interviews at the generalist firms as well, at a decent rate. Yeah, so I got a few of the generalist firms. I got a couple of IB interviews for Mm -hmm. uh, mainly healthcare firms, so healthcare focused firms, let's say. Yep. Um. But there again, you know, because my focus wasn't consulting, I didn't necessarily put that much time and effort into developing those financial skills. So some of those fell through at the interview stage with banks and also just the conveying of interest. Every time I discussed my interest, it came across very strategy side rather than more finance side. So people said, you know, you're a good candidate, but you seem like you would flourish a lot more in consulting. So do you feel like that was... It's like you were hedging your bets with some of these investment banking applications, but you weren't fully vested in prepping and doing the prep work because you really did want that strategy consulting role. Correct. Yeah. It's just like you weren't you weren't fully into it because you you probably could have done the research to know what it would take to do well in investment banking interview, right? And said what you needed to say. Yeah. So I just that that's interesting to me because you were kind of dabbling. Like so, it sounds like your first obviously your first choice was strategy consulting healthcare, your second choice was just consulting and your third choice was like IB? Yeah, or, sort correct. of. So like you kind of had a better story probably for the consulting firms, obviously, than for the IB. IB was kind of like, you just got flamed out. <laughs> like they they sniffed you out in the interview process, sounds like, um, it, and it probably didn't help. Exactly. So like, tell me a little bit about that. Like, was it just something you applied just because you could and you came from a strong school, so you figured... I should do this. Like it was almost like I, I should just to hedge my bets. Exactly. It was kind of that. And then, you know, when you do get to the interview stage, it's one of those moments where you're like, Oh shit, I didn't think I'd get here. And then when you're in the interview, you, you try to convey yourself as much as you can for that interest of IB and so forth. But it comes across on a more strategic level from a kind of a consultant perspective. And, and people kind of just, they figure it out there and then. Like his technicals, like, where you, you know, were you, you do... dropping the ball on like the three statement models to walk me through DCF, that type of stuff? Was that? No, so some of those, those things are kind of there because it, within 
I mean, based on my background, whenever I approached interviews, they wouldn't drill me as hard as they would someone with a finance background. Because like, this guy's done biomedical sciences, right. then he's done management, so obviously his technicals won't be on point. Okay, so it's but just it's how you were framing it. Yeah, it was okay. Why IB, and it didn't come. It came across as more. It sounded more like why stra- why consulting strategy. <laughs> exactly. It would always be muddled up with why strategy. Con- like, yeah, like why strategy consulting. They were like, all right, you're clearly not funny in this. You should push for our consulting more. Yeah. Okay. Fair. Well, they were right. So. <laughs> so you. <laughs> yeah. So, correct. Okay. So why. Why, why consulting? Was it more this 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 professor, his influence on you, kind of early on, going back there? To did you feel like it, it just fits you better personality wise? I'd like to kind of unpack that a little bit, just for the listeners who maybe aren't really sure. You know, should I go investment banking? Should I go strategy consulting? What was what do you think made you a better fit for that side? Yeah, so I think it was it was partly my personality, and um, and again, you know, for all. For all the listeners out there, my experience and my opinion is predominantly based within the healthcare sector is that when I, I do still follow a lot of these big deals that happen in healthcare, but from the investment banking side, it can be a very iterative process within the realm of healthcare and biotech where similar strategies are applied time and time again with M&A or with fundraising and so forth. But within the strategy, there's so much detail within pharma and biotech that is often overlooked that you tend to deep dive into when you do strategy consulting that the day-to-day nature of projects and the day-to-day nature of tasks is in my opinion more varied and it also you you get to the level of granularity where you're not necessarily dealing with the c-suite who has a very high level overview of the whole situation you're dealing with you know the head of market access for oncology, you're dealing with the head of uh, commercial planning for rheumatology. So you're going deep within the strategy, but also deep within the science. And someone who comes from a scientific background who can has managed to combine this with business, on the day-to-day, that is a more interesting and varied kind of set of tasks. Compared to banking, where you say it's more transactional and it's like a a repetitive M&A process with where you're just, you, you come in, you do a transaction, you leave. Is that what you're in, in comparison? Is that what you're referencing to? Correct. Or and so- again, you know, coming from a, a consulting background, I, I'm not incredibly familiar with the day-to-day of investment banking within right. the deal process, but also based on, you know, research that we get from our clients where they've, they've dealt with transaction strategy teams or they've dealt with M&A teams from banks. A lot of the work is kind of more high level, where instead we deep dive into the strategy a bit more. Yep, that's fair. I don't think I don't think many people would argue with, with you on that. So tell me, like looking back, you know, you've only been out a couple of years. What would you would you have changed anything? Would you still have gone the the very hard science degree, given that the amount of work it it took to get? Because it can be a tough. So degree. I. I yeah, I think it was tough, but I think yes, because it gave me that, uh, that let's say, entry-level understanding of science that is necessary, and we have a lot of people within the realm of strategy consulting that can go all the way to the PhD level and then pivot to consulting. And realistically, on a day-to-day basis, you don't use all that knowledge and all that experience, so there you spend a larger portion of your life on the science when you could have pivoted to the business and learned some more tangible skills that you're going to use on your day-to-day. 
So I think going back, I would have, I would have repeated the same path. Okay, great. And then what's next for you? So I think right now I'm, I'm, I'm loving strategy consulting within healthcare. I think I'm going to stick to this. I am fascinated by the, you know, the side of private equity and so forth. And obviously coming from a non-financial background, but being exposed to some commercial due diligence deals and, and so on, you know, there is that potential to pivot, but I need to try and market the angle from a more strategic side, try to help companies or help PE firms understand that there is a level of complexity within the strategic side of transactions and deals that needs to be addressed from a consultant perspective rather than a purely financial perspective. And there's also operating partners as well in private equity. Correct. I would, you know, I would exactly. encourage you to look at that path as well because it can be very lucrative and interesting too. You get to work exactly. a little bit deeper with specific companies. But um, do you mind sharing um, pay by any chance or a range of pay that you had kind of coming from, well, I guess just you had your internships, but just coming out of, of school? Is it like a traditional, is it a certain range that you're comfortable sharing? Yeah. So um, the starting at my firm was a little bit above market, I'd say, for mm -hmm. what one would expect from an entry-level consulting role. Um, the range was between, let's say, uh, 47 and 53. Okay. So that's a pretty comfortable range considering London standards and considering that you know, a background with a similar educational background with me at, you know, a tier yeah. two or an MBB uh, would get within the 40 to 45 range. Yeah, that's great. It's a pretty solid uh, first year out of school salary. So it's awesome. Yeah. Congrats. So um, awesome, man. Well, first off, uh, you know, or not first off, but just to wrap up just again, thank you for, for taking the time and thank you for being such a valuable member the community i really do appreciate it thank you i appreciate it <laughs> thank, thank you so much thanks for joining man and thanks to you my listeners at wall street oasis if you have any suggestions whatsoever please don't hesitate to send them my way patrick at wallstreetoasis.com and until next time